0: So uh, today, being Boxing Day, I'm kind of making a point of moving on from what we've been looking at during the Advent uh, season. And um, what we have been, had been doing was taking a Christmas carol, looking at the Scriptures and stories behind it, and seeing how it applies to our lives. Today, we're, we're moving on. Christmas Day is done, <laughs> and um, it was great to have one final Christmas carol this morning, but um, now we're going to look at uh, Josiah. King Josiah in um, in the Old Testament and so this will just be a one-off sermon. I'm not going to do a series or anything. I'm not starting early. Next year, if you're interested, I'm going to start preaching through 1 Corinthians and so over your holiday break, if you're getting one, or over the next couple of weeks, you might like to start reading through that book of the Bible because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to start uh, diving into that with you and... Um, I promise it, well, actually, I shouldn't make any promises, but I don't think it'll be a year on 1 Corinthians <laughs> like like we've done in the past, but um, I'm planning on preaching through that, so that's exciting. But today, we're just going to have a look at King Josiah and, and a bit of his story. Um, one of the things that he does is he, he goes on this cleansing rampage, you know, after... Uh, after a season of God's people just living outside of what God requires them to do and who, who he requires them to be, he finds the book of the law of the covenant between God and his people. It's read to him and he goes on this rampage, just cleansing all the things that were detestable to God um, in, in the kingdom of Judah and Israel. And so that's what happens. And um, I want to give you a bit of a backstory. How does it get to be that there's kings who are good and bad? And, um, you know, let's, let's have a little think about that. And so I'm going to start at King Solomon, right? Many of us will have heard of him. He's the third king over God's people in the story of the Bible. You've got Saul first, then David, and then Solomon. And so... Um, it's under his reign that the that the nation of Israel or the king the kingdom of God's people is split into two kingdoms, and you've got the northern kingdom of Israel. It's really funny. I've got the guy who taught me all this sitting in the second second row from the front, so he might be uh, checking my facts here. But he, he split it's split into the northern kingdom of Israel in in the north. There's about ten tribes there, I think, and they had their own kings. And then, um, and then there's the southern kingdom of Judah um, and uh, two, two, two tribes left in that area and they have their own kingdom appointing their own kings, right? And these two kingdoms are um, uh, at war at times with one another. They're making different um, connections with nations around them and so on. And, uh, and this is what happens. Eventually, um, what happens is God... Uh, God gets fed up with these kings who are disobedient in both of these kingdoms, right? God appointed kings to lead his people and they were supposed to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord and what was right according to the law um, or the book of the law, right? And So they were supposed to be godly leaders, but it wasn't always the case. In fact, most of the time it wasn't the case. And so God gets fed up and he's basically like, look, if you're not going to do what I ask you to do, if you're going to be disobedient, Then I'm going to send the nations around you to plunder you, to destroy you, and to basically send you off into exile. And so the northern kingdom is the first to fall, right? Um, It was the one that wasn't in the line of David. They probably appointed people a bit more randomly than the southern kingdom did. And um, it was, I think, 720 BC, maybe around there, um, when Assyria comes and uh, takes over the Northern Kingdom, destroys them, carries off God's people into other lands, leaves some of their own there. And the people of the Northern Kingdom are who become the Samaritans in the New Testament times, right? How's the facts so far for those people who know these things? (laughs) Going pretty good. Thanks, Gordon. Um, Now, it's about 120 years later that the Southern Kingdom starts to experience a similar thing right? And so Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, sends three campaigns um, against the southern kingdom of Judah, and it starts to fall. And I think it's 586 BC, that the temple in Jerusalem is completely destroyed, and, um, you know, important people are carried off into Babylon, and that's when you get to the story of, say, the prophet Daniel, right? And um, you hear all of that sort of story going on. And so, uh, Josiah was one of the last kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. Okay, this is where he fits into the story, of the, the big story. It's always helpful to keep that in our minds. There's a big story going on here, and he's a part of it. He fits into the, um, the southern kingdom of Judah. He's one of the last kings, and he had a grandfather who was also king of the southern kingdom called Manasseh, and he was an evil king. And Manasseh's son Amon was not much better either, and these two guys... Um, Got God's people involved in pagan worship like never before. Right? And so, before Josiah, his father and his grandfather, I think it was, I think Manasseh reigned for 55 years or so. Uh, During their reign, they set up worship to idols in the temple of God, right? In the temple of Yahweh, the God of Jerusalem. They set up idols in there, they set up altars to other gods in that temple. They practiced human sacrifices. I think Manasseh is guilty of sacrificing one of his own sons, you know, um, in worship of pagan gods. Uh, they, they sought out um, uh, spiritus and diviners and mediums for guidance. They didn't go and inquire of the Lord like they were supposed to or like um, all the faithful people of their past had done. No, they sought out other pagan gods for um, direction. Um. What else did they do? They worshipped the sun and the stars. And it was said that whenever any of the prophets or righteous people stood up to Manasseh, um, they would martyr them in Jerusalem, right? And, the, and I, I don't know if it was the Chronicles record or the two kings record, but it says that um, so many innocent people were killed by Manasseh that, the, um, that Jerusalem was filled with their blood from end to end, right? A pretty devastating mark, on on a people who are supposed to value life, value um, God's creation. And God sends a a message to Manasseh and says, I'm going to destroy your kingdom. I'm going to destroy your people. My judgment is coming because of what you, because of the evil you've done, because of the way you've led my people so far away from what I intended for my people and for my kingdom This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring judgment upon them. And so Manasseh dies. His son Amon's appointed king at 22 years of age. I think that's a pretty young um, age to be a king. And he lasts two years before he's killed. He wasn't much better than his dad. And so um, what happens is uh, Amon's son Josiah is appointed as king at the ripe old age of, does anyone know? Eight years old. Eight years old, that's right. Ripe old age of eight years old, King Josiah is appointed. And by the grace of God, he's a righteous king. He's someone who, for whatever reason, has it in his heart to seek after doing the right thing. To do the right thing by God and his people. And so, if you want to do your homework on this story, 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23 is where you'll read about Josiah particularly. Second Chronicles, um, chapters 34 and 35 is kind of like the backup and you get a little bit extra uh, to the story, right? And so we're going to pick pieces from these chapters today as we look through it. Um, probably going to be a bit hard to follow, but they're the chapters that I'm drawing all this from. And so the reason we're looking at Josiah today is because he leads a spiritual cleansing and renewal among God's people that was desperately needed, Right, And I've been reflecting on you know, the idea of coming to the end of another year, starting a new year. Um, what does it mean to sort of get to have a little break and a little pause in our lives? Maybe some of us are having a bit of time off or whatever it be. And I wonder if we could take this time to just say, OK, God, is there anything in my life that I need to just be cleansed of? <laughs> is there anything that's, you know, maybe we could take this time to take stock of our lives maybe the way Josiah does, and just look at it and go, okay, what's not lining up with the book of the law? What's not lining up with God's desires for me in my life? And what what could I possibly just start stepping away from uh, getting rid of in my life as I embark on another year ahead? And so this is really what I felt God was asking us to do. And I think that um, the thing about it is we can always be moving closer to Jesus, that you're never perfect you know what I mean and and we can always be transformed into his likeness always always a step closer to being holy like he's asked us to be and oftentimes it requires a commitment on our part this is this is the part of discipleship that's costly and it requires a commitment on our part to intentionally work at removing things in our lives like Josiah does like we're going to see him do it takes intentional commitment Um, to remove things that are not in alignment with what God has for us, yeah? And so when I say we need to be intentional, it can sound like I'm going to start saying, well, make sure you do this and make sure you do that with a big list of, uh, you know, laws and and religious things that you should carry out. But I think God's actually not opposed to us putting in some effort, you know? (laughs) I feel like, I don't know who it is, but the, the line came to me today, God's not opposed to effort, He's opposed to earning, yeah, and so when we look at this idea of, um, you know, uh, actively cleansing ourselves, you know, kind of like washing ourselves, and, and I get, I'm not talking about salvation. Jesus paid the full price. You know, we, we couldn't earn our salvation. We, I'm not talking about earning brownie points, you know, in our relationship with God. There's no credit system or merit system, but I'm talking about what does it mean for me to, make an intentional decision to foster spiritual growth and to become the way Jesus wants me to be, you know. And there's some decisions we can make where we actually say, you know, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to put some effort in here and I'm going to see if there's any fruit in that, (laughs) you know, for my spiritual growth. And so that's kind of the lines that I'm heading um, as we look at Josiah. This is what God's put on my heart for today. And so... Who was Josiah? It says in 2 Kings 22 verse two, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. So David, King David wasn't his father, it was his ancestor. That's the way they put it back then. And in 2 Chronicles 34, we read that when Josiah was 16 years old, he'd reigned for eight years so far. And when he was 16 years old, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And this is kind of marks like a a shift or a turning point for God's people. Their leader has it in his heart to seek after God and to go, okay, I wanna know who this true and living God is. I wanna know what he requires of me. And it says, and that's a decision he made at 16. Okay, so young people, 16 years old, in a, in a world where everything is completely detestable to God, he says, I'm going I'm to make a decision to seek after God. And at 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols, right? These are all things used for pagan worship and honoring pagan gods. Under his direction, the baths were torn down. Right? I think Baal was uh, a pagan god as well that was worshipped and honoured. He, um, he cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them, above these altars and idols. So he's, he's going through and he's literally just destroying everything he can find that's connected to some other god apart from Yahweh, right? the, the Lord of Israel. He smashes them to pieces, he burns them, he drags them out to the valley and lights fires and he just goes on this rampage. He's 20 years old and he's leading his people to God. He doesn't just do it in the southern kingdom, right? He goes up to what's left of the northern kingdom, which has already been destroyed by the Assyrians. And he tears down their high places as well up there. And and he he provides spiritual leadership in that place. And then six years later, at 26 years old, God puts it on his heart, his desire to see the temple in Jerusalem, um, you know, kind of restored You could imagine him in his journey now for about 10 years, seeking out God's face, seeking out God's direction for his life and for the nation um, of God's people. And, And he says, you know what, this temple, it's getting a bit old. It needs to be restored. And he asks Hilkiah the priest and Shaphan his secretary to go into the storeroom where the treasury is. And he says, get the money that's in there. Give it to the carpenters, the masons. You know, anyone who's able to help build and restore this temple, I want to honour God, go and do that. Um, and, and as they go and do that uh, and, and make, make whatever is needed to be able to pay for, pay for the restoration and the renovation, um, they find a book in one of the storerooms, right? And it's the book of the law, right? And it was likely an entire copy of the first five books of the Old Testament um, right, which is like the core and the foundation of the Jewish people and, and, and God's people, Israel. Um, or if it wasn't the whole first five books, it was probably just a part, you know, some of the important parts about the covenant from Deuteronomy, maybe the Ten Commandments, maybe the blessings and curses for disobedience and obedience and, and so on. And so this would have been the book that Joshua uh, held tight um, as he led God's people into the promised land, right? God says to him, be strong, and courageous, meditate on these words day and night. Never let them leave your lips. Don't turn uh, right to left. You know, it's like these key people throughout history held on to these words, and, they, and, and this is the words that uh, they find. And so Shaphan, the secretary, he has a read, and he's like, hey, Hilkiah, we should probably take this to Josiah. We should probably take it to the king. He'd probably be interested and so he takes it to King Josiah and he reads the whole thing for him in his presence. And it says that Josiah tore his robes in response to what is heard. Right? Oftentimes this happens like um, uh, Joshua and Caleb, in fact, do this. They tear their robes when God's people aren't, aren't wanting to do what God wants. And so you could imagine Josiah, after seeking God and, and really just going off of his what, what feels intuitively right to, to, to do for God, he, he finally finds what he needs, you know. It'd be, like, it'd be like finding the thing you knew deep down that you needed, but, but you didn't know you had. It'd be like a, a glass of cold water on a hot day, or like the blueprint or the instructions for the thing you're trying to build, right. He's like he's found it and he's heard it, you know. And so living in a place like Manasseh had created, Growing up and trying to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, he's now hearing things like, um, you know, God's people were to worship God alone. And he's like, oh man, that's exactly what I knew. That's what exa- exactly what I've been trying to do here. They were to value human life. They were to not uh, make human sacrifices, which was common of pagan worship. They were to have no idols anywhere, right? You could imagine them reading the Ten Commandments and just being like, This is exactly what we need. You know, this is the answer, right? God's Word is the answer. They were to display honesty. They were to believe in God for everything that they needed. He's just heard they're a part of a bigger story. There's a God who loves them as a nation and has chosen them to be His righteous people and to be a light to all other nations, right? Right? to show other nations that there's one true and living God. He's hearing all of this. You could imagine how excited he is, but also he's now mourning the spiritual state of his people and he's just tearing his robes off. He can see where granddad Manasseh got it wrong, you know, and and his father, Amon. And so with all of this, he wants to figure out, okay, God, I've heard this. Where do we stand now as a nation? Because as far as I know... Last we heard from you, judgment is coming. And so he wants to figure it out. Where do we stand as a nation? What should he do next as king in a time where he's just found out what was right? And he sends the priest Hilkiah to a prophetess called uh, Huldah, I think is how you'd pronounce her name. She lives in, in Jerusalem and they're going to inquire of the Lord. They're not going to the mediums or the spiritists. They're going to a prophet of Yahweh to say, okay, what's next after finding the book of the law? And you know, all of these things that Josiah's doing, hearing the word, uh, inquiring of God, removing idols, things that are taking God's place, they're all things that we can put some effort into ourselves in our own life, right, to keep us on track in the new year, to keep us finishing this year well and, and setting us up well for the new year. Right, these are all things that God says, this is good. We should do this too. He's wanting to know what, what chances do they have left as a nation you know, that's just been so far removed from what God wants. And this is what Huldah the prophet says. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people all the curses written in the book that has been read in the presence of the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all that their hands have made, my anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. Oh boy, (laughs) you know, bad news for the kingdom of Judah. And it says here, tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what He spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will gather you to your ancestors. He's talking about Josiah. I'll gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place and on those who live there. So they took her answer back to the king. It's pretty interesting. (laughs) The answer Joshua receives is God's going to put his judgment on hold. Sorry, not Joshua. Josiah receives. God's going to put his judgment on hold, right, just until he's living. They're not going to be able to stop it, but at least while Josiah reigns, while he's living, they won't need to worry about it. Interesting that God did that. And the reasons were Josiah's heart was responsive. You know, he could see in this guy, yeah, this guy's going to lead my people well. He humbled himself, He tore his robes and wept in God's presence. He mourned for the state of God's people. And God declares to him, I've heard you. I've heard your cries for help. And uh, this has been the cycle of God's people through the times of judges, through the times of kings. Whenever a righteous king comes or a righteous leader stands out, they say, "God, God hears their cry for mercy and help. And he holds off his judgment. This is what happens. So, What does Josiah do in response to this grace that he's now been given by God? He gathers every person he can in Jerusalem and Judah. He gathers them and he has the book of the law read before everyone, before the people who have grown up under Manasseh, right? Grown up in this environment of pagan and idol worship. And they hear things like, you should have only one God and that should be the God of Israel and you should worship him alone. And devote yourself to him alone, right? And he renews the covenant between God and his people. This is what Josiah does. Knowing that judgment is coming anyway, he renews the covenant, and, and he gets the people to pledge their commitment to the covenant as well. And it says that under Josiah's leadership, um, the people of Judah did not fail to follow the God of their ancestors. And so... When he was 20 years old, we saw that he started to tear down idols and get rid of pagan altars and so on. And what he started then, he, he, he now goes on to just continue to do in a very complete sort of fashion, right? It's kind of like a cleansing rampage is the, is the thing that comes to mind. You can read it in Second Kings 23, most of what he does there. But it's as though he goes through every room in the temple and he just wants to be sure, I'm going to check every room in this, in this whole kingdom every household, every important building. And, and wherever I find an altar to a pagan God, a God that is not the, the God of Israel, I'm gonna destroy it, right? He tears down the high places. They'd set up these places of worship high in the mountains, right? Because that felt closer to the gods or whatever it was. And he went up to every single one that he could find and know about and he destroyed it and he desecrated it. What he would do, he even digs up graves of people who've been buried, and he takes their bones and he burns them and he spreads the ashes over the places of worship for pagan idols. And this is a way of desecrating those places of worship. They could never be used again to worship pagan idols. And I think of the, the completeness for, for which he carried out this cleansing. And I think, how much, how much do we need that in our lives? <laughs> you know, Down to every last detail of a thing that might be de- detestable in our own lives. The things in our lives that stand out as something that doesn't honour God. How much do we want to just completely remove it? How much do we want to just be sure that it doesn't enter into our lives again? It says in 2 Kings 23, starting in verse 24. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and (laughs) spiritists. Those poor people. (laughs) The household gods, The idols and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses." And so another thing he carries out is he celebrates the Passover like it's never been done before as well since the days of Samuel, right? And so gathering everyone together to remember those, those lambs that were killed that helped them uh, become free from slavery in Egypt. And I think, you know, there's so many, so many things we could draw on here for our own lives. But I think reminding ourselves of the sacrifice that was made to bring us freedom, you know, that's something important that we could do today, reminding ourselves of the words of the, of the law, you know, the, the words of the Bible, God's word to us, making sure that we're making a regular habit of diving into it and seeking out God's face, even as young people. Are there things in our life that are creeping in? Maybe they're not necessarily sinful in and of themselves, but maybe they're not beneficial to spiritual growth. What effort can we put in to honour God and to say, yeah, I want to be cleansed. I want to be pure. I want to live a holy life. Maybe there's a way in which we could commit ourselves today, you know, almost like renewing a covenant for the new year and saying, God, I want to, establish an, uh, I want to re-establish my connection to you in a way that honours you. In a way that says, yeah, I'm one of your holy people. I want to honour you in the new year with my relationships. And maybe it means cutting off a relationship for some of us that's not uh, honouring to God. Maybe it's, um, you know, devoting time, coming up with a plan to put some effort into Bible reading, you know, getting to church, praying, serving finding accountability where we need it, whatever it be. These things are okay for us to do, and it's gonna set us up well for the new year. So I wonder what's God asking you to do? I wonder what things you might need cleansing from, and um, today we get to bring those things to the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know, I'm inspired by this story of Josiah, a young guy who can just stand up and say, this is the direction we need to go. And, and it's very clear-cut what's right and wrong, God. And I pray that you'd make it clear for us, too. I pray that you'd make the direction we need to be moving clear in our lives, especially as we come to the end of, the end of this year and, and, and starting off into a new year ahead of us, God. Give us a deep conviction that has us um, wanting to see uh, ourselves become like your Son Jesus. Help us to celebrate the sacrifice that you made on the cross, Lord, the salvation that you, you bought for us, Lord. We couldn't earn that, but, but that inspires us, God, to, to put in some effort to give up our lives as living sacrifices for you, God. I pray that that would shape out the year ahead of us. Pray that we'd be turned to your word and we'd be turned to one another to encourage one another and spur one another on in, in uh, the things you're calling us to do. And so Lord, we pray all of this in your precious name we commit ourselves to do to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.